Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Redemption Church. Um, Before we get started, would you join me in prayer? Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your great love for us, your great love for those that we are among. Uh, We thank you for gathering us together, for calling us out of darkness and into your marvelous light this morning. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for your Son and uh, what he has done for us. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would have said what he once said, what you once said this morning, that you'd have our ears hear what you'd have us hear, um, and that our hearts would be open to uh, hear the gospel and to be motivated to proclaim the gospel to each other and to those who do not yet know you. And Father, I pray that we would see salvation spring up all around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, over the last couple of weeks, we've examined a couple things. We've examined where we are as a church. Uh, Through our purpose of gospel community mission, we see that we are people called together by the gospel to proclaim his glory. And then last week, we talked about where we want to go, uh, which is our vision statement to lead people to Jesus, to lead people to Jesus. And so Reggie unpacked that a little bit for us. And so today, well, we're going to ask the question how do we get there? If we've looked at where we are and where we want to go, now we're just asking, how do we get there? And we'll take a look at our mission statement, at the Redemption Church mission statement. So if the purpose and vision statements uh, ask the questions, where are we and where do we want to go, then the vision statement should tell us what vehicle we should take to get there. So uh, like I said, last week we looked at the vision, to lead people to Jesus, to lead people to Jesus. But here's the rub. None of us are actually capable of making him known to others. None of us are actually capable of making Jesus known to anybody or changing anybody's heart. Only the Holy Spirit is. We can't change hearts and minds. Only the Holy Spirit can. Uh, If we're unable to do the thing that we want to do, which is to make Jesus known and to lead people to Jesus, to lead people to Jesus, we're unable to do that on our own, but the Spirit can do it, then we're going to have to ask the question, How can we get on board or get on the bus with the Holy Spirit and with what he's doing? So, that's the question we're going to try to answer with our mission statement. Uh, Our mission statement is to bridge barriers to the gospel through rhythms of practical biblical teaching, practiced spiritual disciplines, building relationships, and personal service. You probably haven't heard that a whole lot but uh, it's a little bit, and it sounds a little lengthy and a little bit difficult to get. It's to bridge barriers to the gospel. That's the first part. The second part is uh, through rhythms of practical biblical teaching, practiced spiritual disciplines, building relationships, and personal service. So at Redemption Church, we build around our mission. We build around mission because we believe that it helps us get on board with the Holy Spirit, that these things help us get on board with the Holy Spirit who leads people to Jesus, to lead people to Jesus, by opening their hearts and minds to be able to comprehend the heights and the depths and the breadths and the widths of the love of Jesus Christ. And that's something that we can't do on our own. So we're going to break the statement into two parts this morning. First is our mission is to bridge barriers to the gospel. That's it. So... Think about it this way. There are, there, there are huge barriers that keep people from, uh, 
there are huge barriers that keep people from knowing Jesus. Sin, brokenness, other people's sin, Christians' hypocrisy, a hard time with the church. I once worked with a guy quite a while back, uh, and he was a really great guy, really intelligent, just generous and genuinely a good person. Uh, And we got pretty close, and and he told me that he just couldn't believe in God uh, because somebody he knew in his past, somebody I think he even still knew at the time, but somebody in the past he knew was a youth pastor at their local church. And uh, he kind of took advantage of his position, took it easy, uh, and just kind of did what he had to do to get by to keep the paycheck rolling in, and he never really noticed that he really seemed to put himself into the job or really care about anybody. It, that was just kind of his issue there. And, uh, and he just thought that if pastors, pastors of all people in, in his mind, I don't, don't put this on me, okay? <laughs> but pastors of, of all people uh, ought to actually care for people. And so if God's care for people was anything like this particular pastor's care for people, he just couldn't buy into the God thing, right? And so this guy and I, we'd have great discussions, and, uh, and intellectually he would often agree with me about the good news, but he just could never come to accept it, right? Uh, there seemed to be a, it wasn't so much something that he couldn't, think through logically, but there was a barrier from his heart comprehending the, the good news and how it applied to him. And it wasn't even necessarily because of, it was because of somebody else's sin, somebody else's stuff that stood in his way. Those walls, whatever it is, personal sin, personal letdown, some sort of background issue, other people's sin, Christian hypocrisy, whatever it might be, those walls keep getting built on and they get higher. The rivers and moats keep getting deeper and wider, and people are fi- have huge barriers built up, and they keep getting bigger that they cannot cross on their own, right? So I'll stop and ask you, ask you the question, what are the barriers between the gospel and the people in your life? Do you know some people that have barriers between hearing the gospel and knowing Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior do you have people who have a barrier between that and, 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 and how can you help bridge that? Between them and that, I'm sorry. So leading people to Jesus means helping them bust through those walls and to cross those uncrossable waters. And doing that can get a little dicey, I think. It can get a little dangerous because reaching people who haven't been reached will mean going places and doing things that nobody else is doing. Reaching people who haven't been reached will mean going places and doing things that nobody else is doing. And that can put you in a weird, uncomfortable situation. All that, let's actually look at the Bible. Uh, we're going to talk about a passage from Acts eleven fifteen through 18. But before we read that passage, let me give you a little bit of a background as to what's just happened. Uh, Peter, the Apostle Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, uh, is in Joppa, and while he's on the top of this roof praying, he falls into a trance, and he has a vision from God, and uh, it's a vision that, and it's basically instructing him to have the freedom to eat of things that, under Jewish law, he has never been able to eat again. Hold on, I'm sorry. This one? I should use this microphone. Sorry. Um, 
So Peter's in Joppa, and while on the roof praying, he has a vision from God. It's basically instructing him to have the freedom to eat of the things that under Jewish law he's, he hasn't been able to eat before. He's been forbidden to eat. And, uh, and prior, just prior to this, a man named Cornelius is uh, a Roman. He's a Gentile, and I think he's in Caesarea. Some, yeah, I think so. Anyways, he is praying, and God gives him a vision saying, hey, go send for Peter and uh, bring him back to where you are, and he'll tell you how you can be saved. So, just as Peter is having this vision, these Gentile men that, uh, that uh, Cornelius sends to get uh, Peter happen to be arriving at his house. Right? And uh, in Peter's vision, he's instructed to go with these guys. So he goes and he eats with them. Now that he has, he goes back to Caesarea with them and he eats with them. He now has the freedom to do so because of the vision that he just had. So when Peter arrives, he begins to preach the gospel to the Gentiles and the Holy Spirit falls on everybody there just as he did when the disciples first received the gift of God. And that's where we're going to pick up in uh, verse 15. So Acts chapter 11, verse 15 says, now as, this is Peter has come back, this has happened, Peter's come back to Jerusalem, and there's church folks basically saying, whoa, 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 you did what? You went and ate with Gentiles, and you baptized Gentiles, and you, know, you ate forbidden things? Anyway, they're questioning him, and so he's recounting all that's just happened, and uh, that's where we pick up in 15. So as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in his way? And when they heard these things, they fell silent, and they glorified God, saying, saying, then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. And I'm wondering this morning, and as I've been thinking about thinking through the mission statement and thinking through uh, where we are as a church and where we're wanting to go and how we can get on the bus with the Holy Spirit, I'm wondering what it will take for us to get on the bus, what it takes for me to get on the bus. Um, and I wonder if maybe to get on board, we all need to have one of those moments where we see God working in ways that we didn't think he was allowed to work so that we are forced to stand aside and say, who am I? to stand in God's way, just as Peter had to do. When we read the story of the early church in Acts, we read about uh, the people who are on board with the Holy Spirit, seeing people saved in ways that they never had dreamed of. They're reaching out to people that they would never have reached out to. And the people who are not on board, either get on board or they get out of the way. And so I ask the question, are we a people seeing people saved? Are we a people reaching out to unreached people we would never reach out to? Are we jumping on board with the Holy Spirit to lead people to Jesus, to lead people to Jesus? Or would we try to stand in his way? I really believe, I really do believe that God will bridge the barriers to the gospel for those who don't know him with each one of us, whether we like it or not. He will be known through us but it'll matter a lot to each one of us whether we join him or try and tell him what he can or cannot do or who he can or cannot reach. Um, I think C.S. Lewis said, 
that we will all glorify God, but it matters a lot to us whether we glorify him like John or like Judas. So bridging barriers to the gospel and reaching people who haven't been reached will mean going places and doing things that nobody else is. And there's something important to remember that's illustrated in the story that we just read also. We won't make any difference going and doing things that nobody else is going to and doing if we aren't relying on and filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, looking to Jesus always. Peter and the followers of Jesus were not given freedom in order uh, for them to indulge in their own self-concerned desires, right? They were given freedom so that they would have freedom to reach people they thought they could never reach. It's as we fully rely on and are filled with the Holy Spirit that we can go anywhere and do anything to reach people with the gospel. Does that make sense? That's when you're going to be okay. You're going to be pursuing the Holy Spirit, leaning into him, listening to him, getting guidance from him. You'll be filled with him, and it'll be his working through you that gives you permission to go places that you thought you ought not go and do things that you thought you ought not do. In fact, I really think that we must go where no one else is going. And there might be some around us who will take issue with where we go and what we do. And they'll be right if we're not filled with the Holy Spirit and going by his guidance. But if we are filled with the Holy Spirit and going with him, then even in the face of criticism like Peter, when we see lives changed by the gospel through the work of the Spirit, those people will quiet down and they'll get on board. So in all that, the first part is to bridge barriers to the gospel, right? What I really want us to get out of that is a little bit of permission to get a little bit uncomfortable and to serve in ways that we thought we couldn't serve and to reach people that we thought we couldn't reach or to welcome people that we thought we couldn't welcome or talk to people that we would have never thought we would talk to. As for the second part of the mission statement, we say it's to bridge barriers to the gospel, and this is the second part, through rhythms of practical biblical teaching, practiced spiritual disciplines, building relationships, and personal service. We bridge barriers to the gospel. We help others bust through the walls and cross the uncrossable waters through these four rhythms. Practical biblical teaching, practiced spiritual disciplines, building relationships, and personal service. Why? Why do we just arbitrarily pick four things to put on this mission statement? It's because we see these four things. We see Jesus doing these four things in the Gospels. We see him living in those same rhythms. He taught his disciples to do these things. And as they went, people knew his love. They found life. And they found Jesus through, their, through that ministry. And because most of, us can, most of us in this room, probably, if you're a Christian and you were to think about it, could probably point back to one or maybe a combination of these things, uh, of these spaces, of these rhythms, as playing a pivotal role in your turning point in knowing Jesus, as a turning point in you coming to know Jesus. It's probably through practical biblical teaching, a practiced spiritual discipline, uh, a relationship that was built, or some service, either being served or serving alongside others. There's another thing that happens too, and it's something that we can't really make a rhythm out of, but certainly 
the Holy Spirit uses some of those pivotal circumstances in our lives, like uh, when we have babies, or we get married, or we lose a loved one, or we go through a divorce, or we get in a car accident, or have a near-death experience, or whatever it may be. But we can't plan for those. But the truth is, is that if we're effectively living in these other four rhythms, if we're effectively leaning into the Holy Spirit in these other four places, then they'll probably intersect with those moments, those tough moments, and the Holy Spirit will use those things uh, to, to open the eyes, to open people's hearts to know Jesus. So for me, in my experience, and I want you to think about what your experience was. For me, in my experience, it was that when I was, I guess I was 16, 15, 16, and I was working at Winn-Dixie on Walton Way Extension. It's no longer there. I think there's a roly-poly in that shopping center now. But uh, I worked at Winn-Dixie. It was a small little grocery store. It was my first job. And uh, anyways, 15, 16, it was just before Easter. Uh, I lived with my mom and her husband and my sisters, and they had decided to go to the Hill Baptist Church, which is on King's Way over in Somerville. Uh, they had some family that went there, and so my whole family was going a couple weeks before Easter, and so they said, we want you to come, we want you to give it a shot, and so I did, and I went, and it was kind of with an agreement that if I really didn't like it and I, I didn't have to stay, I could go find somewhere else, or whatever. So I went for like two weeks. I went one week, went to Sunday school, went to church, and then I believe the next week was Easter, and I went... Easter and went to Sunday school and went to church. And then I'm working at Winn-Dixie one night that following week. Uh, it's getting late. It's 10 o'clock. It's time to close. I'm mopping the floors in the front of the store. And uh, this whole youth group just like walks in the door. It was so cool. It was like a movie. You know, there's like, uh, there was slow music playing in my head and it was very touching. Anyways, this, this, like, this big group of youth come in and um, I don't really even know most of their names. I hadn't hardly met them. And they, uh, they come and they invite me to a movie that they were on their way to see. I went and saw a movie. I have no idea what it was. I don't remember. And from, and from that point on, we started building a relationship. We started building a friendship. They reached out to me, and they had no reason to. But uh, we became great friends. I'm still very close friends with many of them today. And it was through, as I, as I grew in those relationships with them, and I started going to that youth group. I kept hearing not just the youth minister preach, not just the pastor preach. I probably didn't hear much of that at all because we were up in the balcony, like, writing notes to each other on our bulletins. But um, it was through our friendships that I kept hearing them talk about their relationship with God. And that was something I hadn't really known before. I, I believed in Jesus. I uh, thought I was a Christian, but I didn't understand this relationship part of it. And so as that grew, I, I began to see their friendship with Jesus through the lens. I mean, my, I, saw that I began to see their friendship with Jesus through the lens of their friendship with me. And it made me ask the questions, and it made me wonder about what this relationship with God looked like. And so it, for me, it was a combination, I guess, of two of these particular spaces, practical, biblical teaching, and a building of relationships, and I'm sure it's probably a combination of all four. But those are a couple of spaces that I can really point to and say, man, the Holy Spirit grabbed me through those rhythms that these people used. And he all of a sudden made me understand the gospel in a way that I, I thought I knew the gospel. I had no idea. 
And it completely changed everything for me. So I'd ask you, what's your story? And could you point to one of those four rhythms to find out where the Holy Spirit opened the heart, opened your heart to know and comprehend the gospel and to know and comprehend Christ's love for you? The thing about these four rhythms also is that they don't only serve to reach, and, to reach the unreached among us. Uh, it's as we lean into the Spirit in these places and in these rhythms, we also continually, He continually makes us more like Jesus. In Acts 11.23, um, just following this, because uh, they kind of get on board and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just starts doing stuff and uh, people are coming to know Christ and it's amazing. And Barnabas comes, and uh, in verse 23, he comes to come see all this stuff, and it says, when he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. I love um, love how Barnabas, Barnabas comes to check these things out, see what's up, and it made him glad. And then he started exhorting, saying, stay faithful. These rhythms that we're talking about, the... I'm just going to keep repeating them so you try to remember them. Practical biblical teaching, practiced spiritual disciplines, building relationships, and personal service. These rhythms of bridging barriers and getting on the bus and being a part of what the Holy Spirit is doing to lead people to Jesus, to lead people to Jesus, actually feeds us. Right? In the NASB version of that verse, it says that it gave him a resolute heart and uh, it told them, and then he exhorted them to remain true to the Lord. I like the way it says that. It gave him a resolute heart. It made him glad. It gave him a resolute heart and it made him tell others who were Christians to be glad and to have a resolute heart and to remain true to the Lord. These things that we do to proclaim the gospel also help us strive together to keep the faith. So, as we call you to bridge barriers to the gospel through rhythms of practical biblical teaching, practice spiritual disciplines, building relationships and personal service, we're believing that this is what's good for you. We're believing that it's good for the person that's sitting next to you. We're believing that it's good for all of us as a church, as an organization, that it's good for our community outside these doors, and for those who are still dead and in, the, in darkness. And that's why we call... That's why we're calling you to the mission statement to bridge the barriers to the gospel, to get on bus with us. If you, as you see, well, most of the things that we do are trying to, this is sort of a filter, these three things, the purpose, vision, and mission statement, so that we're trying to, to filter everything we do through those, those things so that we end up doing things that will lead people to Jesus to lead people to Jesus. You can join us. You can get on the bus by joining us as an organization as an organization, as we try to bridge barriers with the greater community, whether it's holding an event here or buying coffee next door, or, uh, holding Sunday service, which is probably our biggest one, our biggest thing that we do, and helping us do that as an organization. Uh, you, can, you can get on a bus with each other uh, to bridge barriers in your neighborhood and in your workplaces. Basically, we're just, today is about calling each and every one of us to lean in and on the Holy Spirit and how he is using this church to advance the kingdom.
And we've been talking about it for a few weeks, and we've said the same stuff. We want you, if you're not a member, we would love to invite you to membership. We would love for you to attend the Foundations class, uh, to become a member, to invite each other to become members. What you do when you become a member, uh, I don't know that you get a lot of benefits. You get benefits from each other, certainly. But what it does say is that you're on board and that you're going to give your time and your talents and your energy and your resources to pursue the vision of reaching people for Jesus, to lead people to Jesus. We're going to pursue that vision together and that we, actually, that we believe we can do better in that together. So we invite you to go to that class. I think there's one coming up, September sometime. Uh, getting involved with an MC, a missional community, uh, because it's a very practical place. These are very practical places for us to practice these rhythms together, to lean in the Holy Spirit together, and to look to Jesus together and to reach our neighborhoods together. We also encourage you to get into a DNA. This is something that we've been talking about for years. We call it discipleship, nurture, and accountability groups. Um, that's DNA, and it's basically a group of two or three guys or two or three women, and um, it's a place where you can go just a little bit deeper with each other. You can share more personal things with each other. You can go deeper in your studies together. You can pray with and for one another. We've been talking about them for a long time. We want you to get more intentional about getting in those groups. We're going to try to help you do that through your missional community. So go to missional community so that you can get plugged into a DNA group. And then also by serving the church. Like I said, you're joining in with us as an organization to live in these rhythms. Um, One of the big ones, obviously, is Sunday service. So I'm trying to recruit volunteers at this moment. This is what I'm doing now. Okay? Um, We need more volunteers. Things don't happen if we're not all doing them. Three or four people can't do it all. This isn't a place where we're going to come and just sit under a pastor preaching. This isn't a place just to come and sit in the seats. This is a place where we live in these rhythms together. This is a place where we're trying to bridge barriers to the gospel for people who have barriers between them and God. We want to bust through the walls. We want to bridge the rivers, and we want you to help us do that. Don't, I'm not saying don't come sit in the seats because it would be pretty lonely for the band and the the preacher, I guess, if there was nobody in here. But I'm saying to get involved with what we're doing as a church. You can do that through Redemption Kids, which we desperately need more help with because they outnumber us. Not literally, but pretty close. It's not that far of a stretch. Like, I don't know how many people are in here, probably like 80, 70 or 80 people. There's probably 40, 30 to 40 kids back there right now. That's incredible. That's a great blessing. And we have an opportunity to make disciples who make disciples with those kids back there. But it's going to take people who will get committed and stay committed to teaching them. We have a lot of those people, and some of you are in this room, and I would say thank you for a a year or more of service because we're already seeing that that commitment to continue to take the gospel to these kids is starting to work. They're connected to you. You've built relationships with them, one of our rhythms, right? You've... You've uh, taught them the Bible. You've probably prayed with them. That's a spiritual discipline. You, you teach them to pray, do those things. And, and as you grow older, they'll learn to serve each other and serve others as well. And it's working. Kids are going home. They're talking about Jesus. 
They want to know more about the gospel, and they're having those conversations with their parents, and that's pretty exciting. So that's one way. Uh, Sunday worship, this part, this thing doesn't just happen. It, it's not just a couple people who make it happen, right? There's a team of people. There's people running sound. There's people running lights and TVs and um, making sure that you know all the words to the song and that the scripture comes up there and uh, that it kind of flows a little better than if we just let it happen, maybe. We need volunteers to do that stuff. So it's not the same person doing that every week, you know? Let's all have a, give each other a break. We need people to work security so that our kids are safe and that so parents, as they come in, know their kids are safe. And not even that, in today's world, we want to know that we're safe, right? We want to know that we're secure. And people will feel a little bit better about being here and hearing the gospel if the whole time they're here, they're not just thinking about is somebody going to walk in and do something horrendous. If we can make them comfortable, then maybe we've given them an opportunity to hear. We need people at the desk uh, to, to help people sign up for things, which you ought to go visit after this and sign up for things. We need greeters at the doors so that people are welcomed and can find the bathrooms and can find their way in here and can find their way to the kids' table. We have to have people to check in kids to the check, Redemption Kids check, uh, ministry. We're also doing events in this building Right? Like outside of this, some of them are church events, some of them aren't. Sometimes people are renting the space. And we're doing that as an organization so that we hopefully can build, uh, can bridge barriers of the gospel with some folks by building relationships with them and giving a little bit of influence to be able to speak the gospel into their lives and into their organizations. Uh, so in doing those events, we need people to come in and like help move chairs and to be able to be on call for that kind of thing. Move chairs. Put tables out, take tables up, unmove chairs, empty trash, those types of things. We need people to do that. All these things and more. I know I'm just going on and on and on and on and on. I'm sorry. There's a lot of stuff, and there's a lot more that I haven't talked about. All these things and more. There's job descriptions right there at the table out there. So go get one or two or four and uh, figure out what, what you can do. This day, Sunday, And these things that we do, they do really matter. It's not the only thing that matters. Our missional communities matter. We need people to lead missional communities. We've got a couple of them that are a little overcrowded, right? There's things outside of this one day. I'm just bringing a lot of those to your attention. Um, But these days, these services, these Sundays, they do matter. And your missional communities matter. And the events that we do, they matter. They matter in our striving side by side together as Christians to keep the faith and to proclaim the grace of the gospel. And I think that that's what we're trying to do. So over the next minute or so, we're going to have a little counter, and we're going to ask you to take a 60 seconds, like one minute, to jot down one thing that you can take away from this morning that will propel you to action, to help you get on the bus and go with us.
pencils down. Just kidding. Over the next few minutes, we're going to move into a time of response. Um, where we're going to be able to respond to the gospel and, uh, and, and be able to respond uh, to maybe some of the notes you just put down even. We're going to do that. The band's going to come up. They're going to lead us in worship and in some songs where you can stand and you can sing and you can clap or you can do whatever you want. Or you can sit and you can reflect and you can think and you can pray. Um, during this time, we also have a giving basket at the back where you're able to respond through your tithes and offerings. Um, that's, that's right there. And then uh, and we, ask you to, we, we invite you to do that, I think, as an expression of even some of the stuff that we're talking about to get today. As we join in to go somewhere together and to be on mission together, we're talking about stewarding our resources together also. And so that's for members, and that's a place you can do that. And then we're also going to take the Lord's Supper. We do this every week. And as most of you know, you'll come down these aisles. You'll take the bread. You can dip it in the wine or the juice. And at this table right here, we also have a gluten-free option. So there's some crackers and another cup there for, for those of you who maybe uh, have a gluten allergy. But we're going to do these things, and we do this as a reminder of of who Jesus is, what he said he would do, and that he's done it. And we do this as a reminder of, what we, of who we believe we are because of that. And we're proclaiming it to each other, and we're proclaiming it to those who don't know him, that Jesus is who he said he is, and he's done what he said he would, would do. And in uh, 1 Corinthians 11, it says this, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So if you're a follower of Christ and you have freedom to do that, whether you're a member here or not, we invite you to do that. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you again for this day and for this time together. We thank you for your son, Jesus, who we remember and know. And, uh, and Father, we thank you for the good news that he came, that he lived and died and rose again, and that he is seated in heaven with you, and that he has made a way for us to be in right relationship with our Father. It's not through any other way. It's not through something that we do. It's not through any work. It's not through anybody else's righteousness either. It's only through his. I pray that your spirit would help us who don't know that to know that, to comprehend the love of Jesus, that he, how he values us and how he loves each one of us, that we're free to be loved. And I pray, Father, that as you call us out of the darkness and into the marvelous light, that we would be propelled to proclaim your excellencies to a people who do not know you. In Jesus' name, amen.